Hello, welcome back to Chief Wellbeing Officer. This is episode 12. Um, it's like buses, right? Um, we didn't have an episode for like three months uh, from end of July to, to the episode 11 with Jenny Campbell and Resilience Engine. Uh, and now we have episode 12 with Paul Hughes of the Centre for Creative Leadership. Um, we have another one coming up soon. We're visiting, um, I'm visiting uh, the new SAP offices in Barcelona next week. Uh, today is the 25th of October. I'll be visiting them on Halloween 31st. Um, so that'll be coming soon also for episode 13. Um, but, you know, we recorded the interview with Jenny and Paul in the same day. So there's no real uh, news or more news to share. I'll talk about the interview with Paul in just a moment. Uh, but what I would like to do is actually just um, mark uh, the fact that this is episode uh, 12 of the podcast. So, you know, we started the end of November uh, 2017 with Anne Pickering in episode one. And my aim is always to try and get one episode out uh, a month. So in under 12 months, this is episode 12. Uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, and just looking back, you know, pretty quickly, that was the kickoff uh, last year with Anne Pickering, uh, who has since won numerous awards in human resources for her role uh, for her work in O2. Um, and uh, and then we would move through to episode two, which was the to date the only one and only Spanish interview that we have. The introduction was done in English uh, regarding uh, Rafa Nadal's uncle and former coach Tony Nadal visiting Universitas Telefónica, and then we had the main interview in Spanish. Uh, and looking ahead, I think there should be more interviews uh, coming in in Spanish. We just haven't had that opportunity so far. Episode three um, was looking was was essentially Rory and I talking uh, and looking ahead to to writing the book. Uh, so that's quite an interesting one. You'll see that we didn't deviate too much from our intentions in that uh, twenty seven minute uh, episode to to what actually came out in in written form. Episode four was uh, uh, a really interesting interview with uh, Kim Faura uh, and, and 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 Alistair. Uh, at GIFGAF, uh, people partner at GIFGAF, uh, and we looked at the Joyous Republic of GIFGAF, and 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 again this year, you know, they've they've went uh, on onto you know greater things, continue to expand. They've moved to new offices that we did talk about in that episode, uh, and doing lots of of good work, uh, very innovative and, and a really nice culture. Uh, and looking forward to getting back to GIFGAF and and, and seeing what they're doing. Uh, in in the future, episode five was the Scottish Highlands special, uh, and that was part of my residency at the Glasgow School of Art Winter School. So the big f- theme there was on on design thinking, and then moving through episode six, which was is today, it's still our most listened to episode with John McCusker, who's a global head of talent at Bacardi, uh, and we talked a lot on his journey and just the importance of of purpose and 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 how that drives talent today. Uh, we then talked to Jeff, got health, is a good friend, um, and uh, based in Barcelona, and you know, globally recognised expert in in agile, uh, and agile continues to be a big theme that comes in a lot of our episodes, and I'm really encouraged that a lot of our guests, regardless of, of where they're from, and and all very different backgrounds, we 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 have been developing, I think, insight into a lot of the same themes in regarding you know leadership today. Uh, dealing with change, rapid change, big scale change, and how we can work more as a team, purpose driven team, and 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 just make work better. Uh, and I think a lot of these themes really did uh, come out in that episode 
with Jeff. Um, eight and nine um, were related to a program when I was teaching at ESA uh, earlier this year, recognizing first in episode eight um, that ESA was once again ranked number one with Financial Times in terms of executive education. So Rory and I, uh, with our combined experience at the school, talk about how they moved um, from, you know, just starting out in exec ed about 20 years ago in terms of English programs at least, to get into number one, which is a phenomenal achievement. And then episode nine, we talked to Neil McIntosh, who's the managing editor of BBC Online. So looking at a lot of, um, you know, how our online lives affect our health and well-being today. And then, of course, the last episode uh, before these two buses came along, talking to Kenneth Mickelson, uh, and uh, in his work in the Neo Generalist. So that's been a, a nice year, you know, talking to some really nice people, some great conversations. Uh, if you're just popping in for this episode, or if you haven't listened to, to any of these, I encourage you to, to have a look through uh, the website. You know, it's uh, the main basis on SoundCloud that is, of course, uh, mirrored on iTunes. And then in the near future, hopefully, we'll get that in different channels, maybe Spotify, and, and give it more. Uh, visibility uh, perhaps on, on the website of Leadership Academy Barcelona. So getting back to Paul, um, uh, just a brief introduction to, to our talk. You know, Paul's an interesting guy. He's a lawyer. He trained as a lawyer. Um, he then did an MBA and then just in the last year or so finished his PhD. So a lot, you know, very diverse journey and also moving. I first met him at, you know, during an ESA program and he was working with Cranfield School of Management. He did a lot of good work there in executive development. Uh, and then he moved to the Financial Times, i.e. Business School Corporate Learning Alliance. So we're kind of quasi colleagues there for just a few months. Uh, and then he moved on to the Center for Creative Leadership, where he's been for about the past year. Uh, so, you know, we talk about his background. We talk about leadership today. He makes the the, the key point on not looking so much at the individual leader, but looking at leadership uh, and what that means, looking at the differences in organization today. It's more about the metrics. It's less about the, the leader and follower or, or line manager and subordinate. Uh, and also just talking about the work that, that CCL have done for many years. You know, they've pioneered a lot on the, the more holistic uh, side of leadership you know, I got a lot of uh, inspiration from what they did in terms of, you know, nutrition in the workplace and, and sleep uh, uh, and even aspects of resilience that we covered with Jenny in episode 11. So another good conversation with Paul. Uh, this is episode 12 uh, and I'll see you for 13. Hope it's not unlucky with uh, SAP in Barcelona. Bye bye for now. Ciao. Okay, so... Uh, Welcome to the Chief Wellbeing Officer podcast, Paul. Thank you. Delighted to be here. So, getting straight into it, uh, does the world need more creative leaders? I'm pausing just to process the question. Does the world need more creative... Do, do you mean more in volume or do you mean more in levels of creativity? More on creativity. So, so same number, but doing more creative things. Yeah. We would define a, a CCL, and I would sort of subscribe to this. It's less about, so it's what we mean by creativity. And what we would see is people utilizing the experiences they've had and managing the experiences they're going through and planning to go through in order to develop themselves in the best way in what we call vertical leadership. 
in a vertical leadership sense. So it's, it's growing their capacity to deal with a more challenging world, to deal with uh, a less certain world, to deal with a world which, and this is a crucial change, is changing at a pace of rapidity that it feels to to most, if not everyone I speak to, uh, at the fastest rate of change that they can remember in their career. So it's about growing people in a, what we call the vertical sense. Vertical just meaning in a rounded way, not just about new knowledge, but about understanding the experiences they've had, the experiences they're going through, and how they can use those to elevate and grow and become a more comfortable leader in, in what is a very fast-changing dynamic. No, absolutely. I, you know, the last episode uh, that we had with Jenny and Resilience Engine, we talked about resilience being adaptability to change. And of course, recognizing that the world that we're living in just now and looking ahead the next 50, 100 years, there's going to be a level of change, you know, uh, un, un, unknown in, in, in human history. Mm. So leadership, of course, has to change in that respect. Um, so that's clear on the kind of mission and, and, and yeah. what CCL is trying to do. What do you do? You identify any differences or trends in in leadership in general? You know, are leaders more open to this new style that that you talk about? Yeah. So the trend is is often. I think there's a confusion in the leadership development and the leadership market and the leadership space. And that confusion falls, it falls between when we're developing people, are we giving them more knowledge? So knowledge transfer driven, or are we helping them manage what they do and how they do and when they do and where they do in their current and future situations? And I often think there's a little bit of confusion and the confusion means that if we can just distill the knowledge transfer to the most efficient form, we will get better outcomes. So an awful lot of talk is about, you know, skill pills or bite-sized chunks or knowledge that people can access when they need. And it's kind of that simple Google mindset. If I can just access the leadership development I need when I need it, I'll be a better leader in an organization. And I, and I think that's problematic because two reasons. One, it isn't just the knowledge, it's the practice. And if I use the analogy I often use, if you want to become a skateboarder, you don't watch YouTube videos and then go out and buy a skateboard and then try and trundle off down a hill because the probability is you'll come a cropper. But you might have watched 10 hours of YouTube videos, but a wasted exercise. So there's a little bit of danger in that if we can just distill it down to give people what they need, sorry, what they want, we we can take advantage of technology and give people all this knowledge. But that's driven from a knowledge transfer mindset. Where we come from is more about how you grow and develop as a leader, how you shift your mindset, your point of view, your approach, your practices, your habits, your assumptions in a way that helps you better manage your environment. That, that's, one, that's the one problem is it's very much the individual knowledge transfer. The second problem is 
too much is focusing on the individual leaders and not enough on the systems that they're leading within or leading in. And therefore it tends to, you know, we focus on individuals and then maybe if we're really lucky we focus on groups, but what we don't focus on is how that integrates with the system. And, and, and these are the big challenges in our time because it's, if we look at what leadership is and how it is developed and how it grows and where it comes from, the way we're developing it as, a, as an industry doesn't always map to that. Yeah. So they're the two challenges I see and, and those challenges are becoming very distinct. If I can just add a, add a third challenge which I've just thought about, so forgive me if I change it from you know, my taxonomy of two is now three. I think a second challenge, a third challenge is data. And we are moving into a data-driven environment, which is great, which is fantastic, which is superb. You know, we can use data in so many powerful ways, but separating the signal from the noise is really, really hard. And if I think of people like Rob Briner, uh, who are doing work in evidence-based HR, you know, there's a real sense of unease that leadership development and data management are often confused and there's a real danger that we start to collate data that creates these false correlations and and often the leadership development is second place to the accumulation of the data if i could cite 360 development not from ccl but in the universe 360 development often is driven by a need to acquire a snapshot of the data and less about the importance and challenge of how people make sense of that data to develop themselves. So these for me are the three big challenges in the in the industries now. Yeah, that's really interesting. And even combining perhaps one in three, you know, a lot of the changes that we see in leadership I think today is that the leader doesn't necessarily have all the answers. Whereas in the past you know, we would go to the leader or look to the leader to give us the answers, but we're living in such a, you know, rapidly changing world that the leader is just about, you know, bringing people together and actually, you know, agile ways of working, whatever you want to call it, and actually saying, well, I don't know, but let's find out together. Um, And then when we're surrounded by data, the danger is to jump to these false conclusions. I mean, a lot of... um, Sorry sorry to interrupt, but just, just to sort of share... And an awful lot, an awful lot of that, I, I think, is driven by some confusion in the HR space about what leadership development is. So the the confusion about if we just give people, as you say, quicker, easier answers, hey, we've solved leadership development, well, you haven't really. And B, if I do it in using digital, I get lots of metrics that demonstrate to the business that I'm doing lots of good stuff, uh, and that doesn't always follow through sorry to interrupt but you just made me think of those two things no you're absolutely right i mean a lot of the problem in that respect and it comes to a lot of um the work that we do in terms of well-being and performance is that it's not easy to measure the roi on a lot of these things so you have a leadership development program um yeah and you can measure the youtube videos or the, the consumption of some of these things but the practice is what makes a difference so going back to organization and you know talking about your second point there in terms of the importance yeah. of the organizational context then what do they really change in terms of their behaviors and habits you know um 
the, the, the thing that I think that I've always looked to CCL uh, in a positive light is, you know, beyond the, the knowledge transfer and a lot of these other factors that are part of the organisational context and even leaders knowing how to manage themselves. Uh, you know, I remember teaching my very first programme on sustained executive performance for Rabobank, and this was back in 2007. And the Rabobank HR director said, yeah, you know, I like this stuff. And he taught, you know, reference corporate athlete and things like that. And he mentioned that, you know, CCL were, were doing a lot. And, and even, you know, a lot of the things on, on sleep the last couple of years and nutrition, but CCL have, have long been looking at these areas. Um, is that still a, a big theme in terms of health, well-being, performance uh, in a lot of what you're doing with uh, CCL? Absolutely. It, it runs it, it runs through. So we talk about our, our mission, we break into four chunks. One is about the depth of knowledge that we have from our research. So, you know, we're fully active as a research institution, but, but deliberately focused on practice and not focused on academic publishing. We do academic publishing, but it's not a raison d'etre. So it, it's that separates us from the business schools and also separates us from the consulting world because we are richly steeped in understanding the research agenda around all this stuff. Then there's the knowledge about how it works in that leadership development. So we have a deep, deep, deep understanding of how leadership development works. And that holistic view in the scientific sense of the word is something that's been at our core because we've always stressed you know, four key things. Understand how you develop you, understand how you develop your uh, your organization or your you know your team your role your organization so there's you there's your role then there's your your family you know your life that sits outside work that's important and then there's a, your community you know as a rounded human you need to be developing yourself in all these things not just in the in the job so so we focus on that the third thing as in our mission is about impact and and this is playing into the point you're raising about ROI you know how do you measure the ROI of a weather forecaster well you know if somebody doesn't go out that day and doesn't die because of a negative weather forecast how do you measure that how do you track it uh, and, and sometimes leadership development unfortunately it falls into that complex system you know it's kind of we know it works uh, what we're unable to say it oftentimes, not all the time, but we're unable to say with that real crystal engineering certainty the bits that do work and the bits that don't. It's it's a bit messier than that. Data can help that. And we might become more refined and more predictive in our ability to forecast what does and doesn't work. But that's 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 a work in progress. And then the fourth thing for us is about societal impact. You know, we're a foundation. We are funded to improve the quality of leadership in the world. Uh, and and that informs not just organizations, but non-profit organizations. And, and sometimes even just, you know, people building co-ops in Ethiopia or, or Somalia, working with them to improve the quality of the way they lead within their, their existing, you know, micro ecosystems. So, so for us, it 
the answer is yes, and it, but it's a deep and a rich yes because it goes all the way from health and well-being to the kind of the way you live your life, but without you know without being a cult about it. You know, it's not. It's not. We're not. We're not trying to. We're not trying to have the church or CCL, but we're just. We, we recognise that when we use the term holistic, it's very broad ranging. So, long answer to explain why I said yes very quickly. <laughs> no, that's great. And so, what are the main challenges for your clients at the moment? You know, I guess they would touch on some of these aspects that you just mentioned. But what are some of the kind of new um, requests uh, that, that that you're getting? The real pain points for some of your clients now? Yeah. So it's difficult to separate it from. So the same pain points have been coming up. I've, I've been involved in executive development for 15 years now. Uh, I've been involved in, I started off in the assessment side and then, then the assessment and development side. So in 2003, it was assessment. So build a model based on a rich understanding of a value creation model of a, of a client, how they're, how they're delivering value what that meant for leadership capability and other functions. Then I progressed into uh, leadership development or executive development from that. And then I moved into the business school world and now I'm at CCL. So in the last 15 years, it's the same stuff has been coming up time and time and time again. How do we do it faster? How do we do it cheaper? How do we get recognizable bang for the buck? And in my experience, the, that's often driven less by participants and less by the line and it's often driven more by the HR community and sometimes the business. Uh, I think the trend for formalised business school education is diminishing but it's not gone away and I think there's a recognition that we still need some of that knowledge and understanding and tools but it's not the answer, it's not the only answer. And you can see that in the changing nature of business schools offering. So, you know, LBS, London Business School, uh, not EAC yet, I think, but please correct me because I'm you're, you're closer to them than I am. But LBS have started to include sort of health and wellbeing type programs and stimulation programs and you know things that are that are beyond the mechanical skill building to who are you as an individual. Astridge have been leading the way in that for a number of years, so Cranfield, of course, my old alumni. Uh, but that, that change in, in moving away simply from knowledge transfer is growing. Uh, but the other big change is digital, uh, both in terms of exec ed, but also in terms of clients. You know, clients are, are experiencing a pace of change through digital transformation and business model transformation, which is quite frankly what sits behind digital or sits underneath digital transformation that they've not really seen. And then the other big change is the traditional model of line manager and direct report operating as this distinct unit, almost like a almost like a little military group who go out into the world and do things and succeed or fail in isolation. That's long gone. That is absolutely long gone. You know, the modern world of 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 a line manager and their reports or middle manager and everyone everyone else is matrix and you know matrix working is the norm it's no longer the exception and I don't think a lot of leadership development 
has kept pace with that, both inside organisations and outside. We still teach the line manager subordinate construct that diode as being the key diode in understanding leadership, leader follower, and that's long gone. And uh, you know, it's, it's beyond even adaptive leadership. Distributed leadership is the norm, but in a practical sense, what that means in, in organisations is still massively unclear, uh, where the diode and of the LM and the follower is still the unit of currency. Yeah, and I think perhaps, you know, your own diverse journey, I would imagine, has helped in understanding that complexity and those changes, right? So we first met, it was actually at an ESC programme uh, with Oracle, and you were uh, directing the, the side from Cranfield. Uh, and then we were very briefly kind of quasi-colleagues when you were with the Financial Times, i.e. Business School, Corporate Learning Alliance, uh, and then, of course, now with CCL. And even in terms of discipline, right? So MBA and PhD, very impressive, and, and but maybe not so uncommon. But the interesting one also is being a lawyer, right? So I don't know, does that, what, what, what value, if any, does law bring to, to your understanding of leadership development today and what you're doing now? If you ask my mother, she'd say nothing. <laughs> uh, why did I go off? Why did I start to be a lawyer? I've got the world's shortest legal career. It's probably all of 24 hours. <laughs> and I, I decided in my first year I didn't want to be a lawyer, but back in the 80s, you know, changing. I, I was on a grant, you know. I, I'm, I'm from the generation where you get a grant. And, and you know, there was no student loan system. So if I wanted to change course, I had to go and fund it. Or, you know, so, so you stayed the course and... But what did law give me? What law gave me critical thinking. That that was the big. That that that's what law gave me. Law gave me was criti- critical. The ability to object, try and try try the doctorate rounded that off. But to try and appraise things from an objective perspective, and and try and break things into their systemic elements. So in law, when you learn law, you know jurisprudence where the law sits in society, what what law is, you know, it's just a bunch of made up rules. Uh, it gives you at an early stage in your career, what the age of 18 up to the age of 22, 23, it gives you the ability to make that level of abstraction about the world around you. That's what it gave me. And the ability to look at and break, or try and break into constituent parts. The systems, the processes, the the complexities that you sit within, that, that was what law gave me. And I think that's followed me all the way through. And, and the doctorate just moved it to a much higher level. The MBA gave me the knowledge of what to look for. The doctorate gave me the higher level skills of how to make that be sensible in a way of producing something a bit more rigorous than what I want, you know. It's that shift from managing your objectivity to assuming your objectivity. Pre-doctorate, you assume it. Post-doctorate, you recognise it's massively imperfect. That's great. So bringing that into now um, and, and, that, and that thinking and that critical um, analysis, uh, you know, you've got client requests, you've got work with CCL in terms of what, what 
what they want and what they f- want to find out. But I would guess you still have your own, cu- you know, academic curiosity and your own research questions. Uh, so what what what's one or two of these, you know, specific research questions, if any, that, that interest you just now that you want to try and discover a bit more? So there's a number of things that are, I think for us, there's a great opportunity for us at CCL, which is for the, fu- for the first time in our history, we're really pushing the boat out on expanding, not not just our delivery business, but expanding our foothold and understanding around the world. So we've developed in the last few years much greater presence in Asia. Uh, we've been in EMEA for 20 odd years, but often as a as a satellite in many ways of, of the US. But we're slowly starting to build our research base as well as our delivery base. Because for us, research and delivery are integrated. Our research informs our practice. Our practice informs our research. It's a lovely symbiosis. Uh, one one of which the business schools in many ways have become decoupled from. Uh, so in terms of our re- so we're start what what we're doing at the minute is we're starting to build that understanding of what are the research questions we want to bring to the UK and Ireland market. So things like uh, let me give you one example. Boundary spanning leadership we talk about, which is the the capability to both work within and work across boundaries within organisations because matrix working is so prevalent now. The ability to create cohesive teams, but teams which work in an interdependent way with other teams is a crucial skill set, a crucial capability for leaders. What does that look like in a UK context? Particularly a UK context where a lot of businesses might be centred here, but the value creation takes place around the world. So what does that mean for us here? That's one area that we've got an interest in. Another area we've got an interest in is around senior leadership teams. And how are senior leadership teams uh, moving from what's often been a governance perspective to a stewardship perspective, recognising the way they generate and create value, and that's that's an emerging area. Uh, another area is about understanding what we talk about vertical development. So it's it's probably, if I was to think of a Venn diagram, the, the overlap between the work you do and the work that I've, I've done since I've met you around when you develop someone you're developing the whole person otherwise you know to, to, to paraphrase the matrix the movie you don't just plug knowledge into someone and they suddenly change uh, you develop someone's knowledge skills behaviors mindset practices worldview uh, and, and crucially the way they interact with the system so we tend not to talk a lot about leaders, we talk a lot about leadership. And it's that whole space of leadership that is, is our key research agenda. It's understanding leadership as it's developing in the modern organisations. But for us in the UK, with a very UK and Irish uh, regional perspective. So they're, they're, they're the hot things at the minute for us. As we develop in the UK, we might move to some more sector focus. So there might be some, you know, what might some of these things look? What might be some of the peculiarities in a farmer context, for example, or a manufacturing context? Uh, how do doctors and salespeople mix? Which is what you get in pharma. You've got people who rise through the ranks from a commercial perspective, sitting alongside people who are 
card-carrying physicians. How does that? How does that work? Uh, and so on, uh, all the way through to engineers, where you tend to find an awful lot of people in technology or engineering businesses rise through the project pipeline and then end up in very senior leader positions, but they have leapt uh, through a number of the stages in the traditional leadership pipeline that we would expect them to go through. So you get fairly senior leaders who have got less man hours, if we, you know, if we use an aeronautical analogy, you know, air miles or flying hours, they've got less man hours uh, line managing people than in fact any other industries that I've seen and, and I see this time and time and time again but until we put until we put some clarity around that it's not data it's just anecdote so putting some data around that would be interesting yeah I know that even that last point it reminds me of the Marshall Goldsmith book right what got you here won't get you there um, and a lot of the reasons that we're promoted to these positions have got nothing to do with what is expected of these people going ahead, which yeah. is which is why you know they go to CCL and different places and and get that yeah. and get that capability. This is great, Paul. You know, final question on we ask all of our guests now in terms of well-being. Um, so for you personally, what does well-being uh, mean? And if it does have a a presence in your life, how do you ensure? good well-being for yourself yeah so i i, I break it into a couple of, a couple of levels one it's, it's just basic basic personal health and well-being you know things like uh try and maintain a level of fitness uh and you know as, as you change and get older so when i met you i'd be running up to tipidado in, in barcelona well i've got I get tendonitis now in my blooming calves, so I'm now on the I'm now on the water roar several times a week doing you know half hour rows. So it, to me, it's always doing something that maintains a basic level of fitness. You know whether it's BMI, balanced eating, you know a variety in your diet. Uh, being Scottish, you know managing your alcohol intake is always a challenge, but yep. you know but but. All you know, just that general sense of self. The second thing is about plugging into now the just the concept. If I'm a bit tired, is it affecting how I perform the next day? Uh, if I if I'm feeling down, does it affect my judgment? If I'm feeling up, does it affect my judgment? Is that it's just that recognition that we are much more complex as a creature than a simple mechanical being we're, we're our complex you know our behaviors are really simple it's what you do and it's what you say or what you don't do what you don't say but the drivers behind them are massively complex personality your worldview your experiences what's happened in the last 12 months where you are in your life so i think that's the other place where it impacts me and it's it's about recognizing that if you're not looking after some of these things your judgments and your actions will will deteriorate or suffer or become less optimal, whatever language you want to use. But you know, but the underlying notion that we are more than just a bag of bones and this this our brains are so simple that we just need to think ourselves better. 
and think yourself well and think yourself successful, that's nonsense. You know, it's just absolute nonsense. And the evidence is there to back that up. I, I'm not making that as a... That's not an opinion anymore. That's a fact. Uh, but But the general discourse isn't there yet. And it loops back to what I see in the development world. It's still back at the knowledge transfer. You know, learning outcomes, what will they learn? And learn means have they been entertained and have they learned something new? Have they walked out of that room with something they didn't know before? Now, how that and whether that and how and, and where that translates into enhanced performance, discuss. But but that that recognition of the deep complexity of people doesn't translate to the recognition of how we develop leadership and leaders within organisations. It's far too simplistic, uh, in, in my humble view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Um, many thanks for your time today, Paul, and wishing you the best of luck going ahead in your mission in CCL. Thanks. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon.